from talkradio.nyc, welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in beautiful, freezing, cold Manhattan. On tonight's show, window shopping. My guest tonight is professional visual merchandiser John Michael Martinez. John Michael and I will be discussing the art and design of visual retail merchandising. I've always been captivated by department store windows, and some of my favorite childhood memories were helping my grandmother design and select items for our family furniture store windows and room vignettes. To this day, I am fascinated by what makes visual retail display magical and how that can be applied to home interior design. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. It's like Tiffany's. Tiffany's? You mean the jewelry store? That's right. I'm crazy about Tiffany's. Listen, you know those days when you get the mean reds? The mean reds? You mean like the blues? No. The blues are because you're getting fat or maybe it's been raining too long. You're just sad, that's all. The mean reds are horrible. Suddenly you're afraid and you don't know what you're afraid of. Did you ever get that feeling? Sure. But when I get it, the only thing that does any good is to jump into a cab and go to Tiffany's. Calms me down right away. The quietness and the proud look of it, nothing very bad could happen to you there. If I could find a real life place that made me feel like Tiffany's, then... Then I'd buy some furniture and give the cat a name. I'm sorry you wanted something. I just love that opening scene to Breakfast at Tiffany's. This past weekend, I watched it again for what seems to be the hundredth time. I have always been completely and utterly mesmerized by Audrey Hepburn. Oh, and I love the way that the camera stands back as if it's a by if we were a bystander or a pedestrian allowing us to watch as she gazes deeply into that small, jewel-box-sized Tiffany window on Fifth Avenue. It's the break of dawn, and her hands are full of stuff. We get to watch how she juggles a cup of coffee. You know, those old blue and white paper cups, the ones from the classic New York City Greek diner. She's balancing her black handbag on one arm and grabbing tightly to the brown paper bag while reaching in inside for that croissant. She moves the coffee from one hand to the other, and as she adjusts her handbag, she removes that white plastic coffee cup lid and takes a sip. And all the while, never, never, ever averting her eyes from the treasure encased inside that Tiffany window. That scene, pretty much to me, says everything we need to know about beauty, symbolism, wide-eyed dreams, hope, and the power. Yes, it just so happens to be our conversation tonight, the power of art and design of retail merchandising. Remember back in the day when we would just go shopping, whether it was strolling through a mall or 
walking down a street in a Manhattan. The idea of sneaking into a store to see what was new and how the seasons or the colors of merchandise had changed was, was fun. I love the experience of walking into a beautiful merchandise store. The vastness of the rooms purely dedicated to selling product, the lighting, the fixturing, and of course, the incredible visual talent like my guest tonight, John Michael Martinez, that makes everything look so good and so damn desirable. The shop windows and the store displays, it was fun. It was fun to go shopping. And you just can't get that same effect shopping or typing on Amazon.com these days. Sitting on your sofa in your own living room, nothing compels you to buy anything more than what you might need on Amazon. There is no visual merchandising. So it got me to thinking that in this day and age of what seems to be the demise of the brick-and-mortar retail store, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about that dedication to making something beautiful, something to feast your eyes on, something that grabs you, something that gets you going, that gets you wanting it, needing it more than you could ever imagine possible. And here... In New York, New York City especially had the best of the very best windows and visual displays. In the heyday of the Ladies Mile, Ladies Miles, which was a prime shopping district in New York from the end of Civil War until World War I, the district now known as the Flatiron was the location of some of New York's most famous department stores and upscale retailers. Window shopping along 5th Avenue south of 23rd Street was an afternoon stroll of the finest in design and in merchandising. Stores like B. Altman Dry Goods Store, Best in Company, Gotham Silver, Bergdorf Goodman, and of course, Tiffany & Company. Almost a century later, I was fortunate enough to be a part of that historic neighborhood. I started my career at ABC Carpet and Home, the premier New York City home furnishing store in the late 80s and the 90s. I was one of the first generation of buyers and merchandisers helped to creating a new way of seeing and selling product, creating a visual oasis and allowing the customer to get lost in the dream of fine quality and beautiful merchandise. I was able to travel the world seeking out new and unique products, and I had even more fun working with the amazing visual team with one single goal in mind, to make all of the unique, the treasure trove of distinct products that we discovered, the envy of Audrey Hepburn's mesmerizing gaze. When we come back, my conversation with professional visual merchandiser John Michael Martinez. John Michael and I are going to discuss merchandising techniques and the skill for creating successful retail environments. John Michael has a talented eye, and I'm anxious to hear all about his design work. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes.
Well, you know that it's going to be alright. I think it's gonna be alright. Everything will always be alright when we go shopping. Well, you know that it's going to be alright when we go shopping. It's always like let the shopping spree begin. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. My guest tonight, visual merchandiser, John Michael Martinez. John Michael, welcome to At Home. Thank you. We've been trying to do this for a while now, so I'm so happy that you're here and that you're with us. And, you know, the first question that I ask everybody is, what is your definition of beauty? And more specifically, what is beautiful in your home? That's a, that's a hard question. I, I think... Um, Different. I think everybody has a different definition of what's beautiful. That's the fun of the question. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think I can find beauty anywhere in anything. I mean, in something that's man-made or nature or I, I think beauty is everywhere. Um, in my home, I, I think, I think well, that's the reason why we actually got the apartment. I, the, we have a, um, a, uh, stone uh gothic arch fireplace that's in in, in our apartment wonderful um and it, it's that's that's just to me that we designed the living room around that i just thought that was the most beautiful aspect of the apartment so i, I would have to say that and yeah marble limestone um Carrera do you know marble? what i i don't know because it, there were several layers of 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 paint it had been painted yeah. over a, a number of times and so typical you know, it was an old 1929 building, and so I didn't know how much, you know, lead paint was on there. So I wasn't going to go through the process of, of stripping that. So I, I, 
I did the unthinkable and I faux finished a stone fireplace. <laughs> but I mean, but it had already been painted. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe sometime down the line, it'll get Somebody stripped strip professionally it. and we'll, you know, they'll come in with the hazmat suits and take care of it. But for now it's, it's got a nice faux finish on it that I, looks amazing. I don't think most people I'm would I'm sure know. it does. I'm sure it does. I can get off script really quick because you said that you designed the whole living room around the Gothic fireplace. We're going to talk a little bit about focus, um, singular focus and all of that. That's such a big part of what you do and what I do. Um, but you know, you have such an incredible design eye. So how did you get started in, in retail merchandising? You know, in, in the most unlikely of places, working in a grocery store. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was it was my first job. Uh, I was actually still in high school, and it was the grocery store that, you know, I'd shopped in as a kid with, with my mother. And, and I think she found out that it was, or realized that it was about time that I got my, got, got a job and started earning some money. So uh, I guess she spoke with the manager there and, and sent me to go apply for a job and, and I started working there and then, you know, hanging sale signs in the window and then, you know, hanging streamers for Christmas and Easter. And that's that's really where I got my start. I took I took it a little step. I took it a step further than just hanging streamers a lot of times. Can you walk into a grocery store and not arrange the oranges or the grape display? You know, I can't walk into any store and not. Yeah, not put things back where they should be. Yeah, me too. And and I'm hoping that I'm that it's actually other customers that have moved things and not a, a, dis, a display that I'm rearranging to suit my own purposes. I have a horrible <laughs> trouble with beds especially cuz they always angle the pillows on like a 45 degree angle it makes me crazy so if I'm walking through Bloomingdale's or whatever, I'm always straightening the pillows. You want them straight up, and, and I don't down. want anybody to see me because, of course, you're, you could be considered a nut, which, right. of course, yeah. might be true. Yeah. But anyway, yes, I know it's an obsession. I'm sure uh, we have to spend our life taking care of, um, you know. So creatively, what what do you think your motivations are? I mean, is it to the product? Is it is it the color scheme? Is it um, the finished tableau, or or is it something completely else? I, it it's all of those things, and it depends on it depends on the application. If I'm doing a window, or I'm doing an in store display, in store, um, it, it 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 depends. And you know, because it's a job, sometimes I have to find the inspiration. You know, if it isn't if it isn't a product that I'm naturally drawn to, or that I naturally find beautiful, or you know about, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I then have to find the inspiration. And you know, sometimes it's the color, sometimes it's sometimes it's the product itself, and I just want to let it shine and 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 just let it be what it wants to be. I know that sounds crazy, but... <laughs> but I mean, I was going to ask the next question, which in other words, does it come to you instantaneous? Because I think what I find is that we're expected to know things immediately. I walk into a room, I know what the floor plan is. I walk into a room, I know what the color is supposed to be. I walk into a room and it's supposed to be all thought out in that second that I do that, even though they're still talking to me and I'm trying to be polite. So is it that same... Do you, do you have an opportunity in the fast-paced world of retail to actually kind of go, hey... 
hey, what do I do with this? How do I make this work? What's the best story for this? Sometimes you do, and and, and you, you know you do, and actually the time is the luxury part of it. Yeah. For, for me, me too. Um, and because sometimes, and sometimes the the ideas come, they do come instantaneously, and sometimes I just have to allow myself to stare at a vase or some dishes and and let it come to me and and I know I know when I talk about it or when people see me doing what I do they must think I'm a crazy person cuz literally I will sit at a desk and just stare at the fabric you know the 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 dish the fork whatever the product is that and and just hold it in my hand and play with it and stare at it and it's really, it's bizarre. It's the strangest thing in the world. But I've just, I've come to, I've been doing it for a little while now, but I've just come to accept that that's my process. And, and you know, hopefully the end result will be worth looking like a crazy person staring at a, at a vase or whatever. <laughs> well, you're trying to make people see it differently than they have seen it before, or you're trying to bring a focus to it that isn't ordinary, right? Because you're trying to, Ultimately, your goal is so that the merchant can sell the product. Right. So, to to rethink a fork, which sounds so silly, right? That right. We're, you know, to reset rethink of a vase is important right. if I'm going to be intrigued by it, or if it's going to tantalize me enough to make the purchase. Right. Yeah. How so, do you sell a light bulb? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That I don't know. How do you sell a light bulb? I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, these are things that I've that I've been. That would be a show unto itself, and yeah. I think that we could. Um, we could talk about that. That would be interesting. Um, so, what do you think makes the best? Is this the right question? What makes the best visual merchandising? What What are there elements to that? Are there things that um, are tried and true? Are there things that are proven, or is it always sort of uh, an emotional response to the product or or to the store as a whole? So, store A and store B, they're not they're not on the same page necessarily in the design book. It's I I think it depends on the store, um, the store sometimes and or the the product itself will have its own. Um, identity and that they want to represent. Um, so, so it 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 depends on that. I, I as as far as things that are tried and true, I think you you always try to tell a clear story, and and you have to know what that story is that you're telling. There, ha- I I always I have a story because there there are just way too many options of what you can do with setting a table or making a bed or or creating a room. So I I give myself a story and that story then gives me guidelines. You know, if you're setting a table, well what are they eating? Is it breakfast? Is it dinner? Is it lunch? Is it formal? Is it casual? And then that sort of informs the choices that I make in designing the display. Are, are there criteria that um, are maybe in the back office, let's say? Hey, John Michael, uh, you know, we, ha- we have 10,000s of these. This is, this is, we got to push this product. I'm, I'm trying to think of what other examples there could be. But I mean, uh, do you get any pressure from the back based on the volume of inventory or not having enough inventory or, or what the weekly gross needs to be? Or, or do you, do they feed you with that information oh, as yeah. well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it's, a part of your story. Then. Right. Well, cause yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, 
I, it's not. So it's not just an art project. It's not. Well, and yeah, it's not an art project. I mean, and, and I would I'm, like to think that it is. And I, 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 I know that my job is not expressing some inner pers- personal expression of self or something. It, that's, that's not my job at all. My job is to sell. My job is to sell and to make you want to buy. And there are a million ulterior motives that go into what I do, whether it's we have excess stock of something or uh, something isn't selling well or something is new. So I, I then have to, you know, wrap my head around how do I how do I sell this and what's the best way to sell this? Yeah, I would think... Uh that would be a fun challenge, right? This product's not selling well. What can we do to uh, reinvigorate it or put a light on it or to you know, push it out the store, right? Right. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's actually it's really interesting to find out or, or to look at something that, that comes in that's brand new, that's, that's not in the stores yet. And you could absolutely fall in love with it and think it's the most amazing thing. And then for whatever reason, it just doesn't sell. Um, and you have to figure out why. Is it, is it in a bad location? It, you know, where in the store is it? How is it being displayed? Um, and then, you know, and then other times there'll be things that, that come in and you're like, well, that's, that's awful. Nobody's ever going to buy it. And it flies off the shelf. it's, 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 there's as much as I like to try to apply some sort of science to what it is that I do. Sometimes there really just isn't, it really is a game of never overestimating or underestimating your, your clients and your customers. Yeah. I think it reminds me of a, something that I used to think about when I was a buyer and a, and a merchandiser, but good visual merchandising is a mix of art inspiration and science mathematics basically right Mm -hmm. while great visuals can sell a lousy product poor visuals can do nothing for great merchandise right so it's sort of a little bit on that uh, yeah level and i always found that to you know you have to just kind of keep repeating that over and over in your head to get that formula correct because there's a lot at stake how would you describe your personal style or your your professional style i should say my professional style? So, I mean, again, is that particular to the store, to the product? Do you have a way of doing things? Um, you know, do you like, uh, you know, some of the windows that I've seen that you do are full. Others uh, are more spare. Is that because of the store or is that because of the product? I mean, I I would... And then can you define a style in well, any as of that? Well, as a professional, I would like to think that I'm purely representing the style of the customer, of, of, the, of the client, of the product. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there, there, there is a part of me that is, you know, there in the display. I do tend to like things that, that are dramatic. And I think, I think dramatic can be a lot of stuff. And dramatic can be one thing in a window. I think I think those are both ways of creating drama in a window or in a display. Um, and 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 I like a little bit of drama. Well, I ask that because that I get that question constantly. I mean, I would say every day, if not two or three, what's your style, David? What's your style? And I I would answer it very similarly to yours. Mm. In other words, I'm a professional. I'm 
designing for my client. It's my client's home. It's my client's family. It's my client's desires and wishes and dreams and hopes and aspirations and what they think is beautiful and what they don't. And it's not mine. And so, yes, I would hope that as a professional, I'm designing for them. With that said, um, I tend to be a little edited. Um, I uh, definitely decide where the focus is and, and I believe in quality over quantity. So there is an expression of myself in it, but it's not in the overall concept of what the house looks like. And what you're saying, it's not in the overall concept of what the display right. looks like. Yeah. So I, I mean, but that's our job, isn't yeah. it? Well, yeah. I tend to, if given the opportunity, I mean, there's so much that goes into the designing of, of any product. And so given the opportunity, I ask a lot of questions. Why? I, I ask, why, I think why is probably one of my favorite questions. You know, why, why this color? What, what inspired you to design this? And so I, I like to take something from what the designers of these, in, these products, you know, what, they, what inspired them and 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 continue that and and sort of help represent that what their inspiration was in creating the piece in the first place i think that's a great takeaway for all of us in other words i ask a lot of questions too and i think if you're at home listening and you're in the middle of maybe redoing your bedroom or redoing your living room or you're buying a new house or buying a new apartment questions are your best friend right yeah. and unresolved questions are really helpful because there's a problem there or you're preventing a problem or you're trying to work Work through a problem. And so they don't always need to be solved immediately. We can spend time with that, as you were saying, as you prepare to display something. And I think that's I think that's so important. I think time is our friend. Oh, it's a luxury. Um, and I think a couple shows back, we were talking about time in the design process and that, um, you know, just because you take time doesn't mean you're wasting time. I mean, I think that's a part of our new modern life and our new modern age. And I, nothing could be further from the truth, in my opinion, yeah. right? So um, it's interesting to hear that it just crosses over all elements of design and product development and interior design and merchandising yeah. and all of that. I think it's just something that we need to relax and come back to a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's more successful in the end and it prevents a lot of problems later on right. when things weren't figured well, out correctly. Sometimes you can get so focused on a, on a singular element that you become blinded to what really is good and bad. And so, you know, if I'm working on something and I, I, I'm, I'm maybe not happy with it or I, I've just been working at it too long, I will walk away and, and, and work on something else and then come back to it and then sometimes be inspired and be like, oh, well, that's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I think sometimes you just have to give yourself some space to look at something fresh. Right. And it also answers the question about focus, because I believe in focus. I think one of my jobs, and I think probably one of your jobs, is to make sure that people are focused on the right thing. Right. But in that, in that focus that we're trying to determine and trying to make people pay attention to, there's a bigger picture. Yeah. There's a larger picture that needs to be discovered. And that item, that fireplace or that window or whatever it would be in interior design that focus also has to be a part of the whole too right and so it's it's fascinating i think that uh, to try to 
blend that together and still lead the people, lead the client, lead the customer correctly is uh, is a big part of what our job is. Yeah. You have to be very aware of the details, but not get overwhelmed by them. Yeah. Almost look at them as in, in your periphery vision. I don't know. I think you could be a life coach in home furnishing. Maybe that's your next job, <laughs> right? You can be, here's the perfect guy to go to when you're, you know, you're dizzy about what the next decision is. Anyway, this is At Home, and um, we'll be right back after this incredible 1950s radio commercial that I found from Gimbel's Furniture Department. Here's a smart homemaker. She's shopping Gimbel's the easy way, the modern way, for customary upholstery and custom slip covers. Gimbel's shop-at-home service is free, and it's as close as your telephone. It'll save you time and trouble, car fare and babysitter's fees. Just set the time, and Gimbel's representative brings to your home New York's largest selection of customary upholstery fabrics. It's fun to shop at home in comfort, selecting fabrics, blending color schemes, making the perfect selection in your living room or your living room. Then Gimbel's master craftsman will customary upholster your furniture more beautifully than you ever dreamed possible. Your fabric is hand-cut and hand-matched to your completely hand-rebuilt furniture at an incomparable price. From $44 for your chair, from $88 for your sofa, including and according to fabric, Gimbal gives you months to pay. Call Gimbal's for your free appointment. Call Murray Hill 7-7-500. If you live in the suburbs, call Murray Hill 7-7-500. Correct. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We are talking to professional visual merchandiser John Michael Martinez. You can follow John Michael on Instagram at John Michael four one zero. 
What's the 410? Is that the placement of John Michael? <laughs> it was an old address. Oh, it was an old address. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad There's to no know. There's no rhyme that. or reason to okay. some of the things. Well, that's good enough. So, at John Michael 410. Um, let's, let's discuss your work as a merchandiser and my work as an interior designer. So, um, and we kind of hit upon it right before we closed out the last segment, but you know, if a retail store is full of beautiful things, you know, beautiful merchandise and fixturing and lighting and stuff, much much like uh, a living room, let's say, in a home mm-hmm. or a, a family room, how do you, as the merchandiser, guide the customer through the store? What do you want them to see first? And how do you keep everything in the store interesting, right? Because just because you're focused again on this item doesn't mean that you don't want to sell the set of dishes to the left of that item right so are there any what's that whole thought process and how do you do that well Well, i i think it it starts with a good floor plan that's that's you start with a floor plan just just like an interior design just like interior design you have Uh, to have your floor Well, because that that's going to inform the traffic flow of, okay. of any room it's it's all about traffic flow where do you want people to go um and creating those spaces um and then it's what do you do in those spaces what product is going to go in those spaces um what product is going to be on the tables what product is going to be in the walls behind it um usually what's on the table uh is is your highlighted product. That's the thing that you want people to see first. And then the things that are in the wall are the other pieces that are in the collection or the other pieces that are in the line that maybe aren't being featured at the moment because you know, it's, it's not the season for them or, or whatnot. Or there's components to a particular item, right? Right, yeah. right. You know, it, it, you know, sometimes, you know, lines will have, you know, this whole mix and match thing that you can do with China or, you know, and uh, so you can't put all of those pieces on a table. So you, you, you have a point of view. I think having a point of view is very important. And you show what you want to show. And then you convey that information to the... I, I always like to talk to the people that are on the sales floor that are selling this stuff every day. And I communicate to them, this is what I'm doing this is this this is this is this is the thought process that's in my head this is the line this is the story and so you convey that to the customer of this is this is what's on the table and this is what we're showing but you can also do this right you actually help them understand that this component over here or this piece works equally as well so bring that into a cell yeah i i give the i give them a story i give them i give them a script that that hopefully helps them in the selling process because they're you know and and actually a lot of times if there's if if i'm if i find something that maybe is not doing well i i go to them and i say what's what's the feedback with this what why do you think it's not selling why do you think this is selling um because they're they're there every day they see what customers are doing um, and so they are really a wealth of information. They, they know a lot. They see a lot. I used to, um, back in the day, I loved working on Saturdays with my sales staff because I would come in on Saturday for a couple hours 
and have that same sort of tutorial or, you know, sort of moment, or I maybe walked into a sale in process and try to bring in other product or bring in other items that might work. And it was always incredibly successful for me, whether we sold it or not, um, to go back into my office on Monday and make those corrections and mm. and what I brought into the store and what was important or what product was important and to see the actual sell happening and to talk to the salespeople was incredible, right? So yeah. I'm happy to hear that you you thought that that was successful too. Yeah, I mean it is actually the fun part of it. Well, it is because I I always sort of saw myself as the person who got to live in in all aspects of the retail world. I got to go into the store and see what was happening there on the front lines. And I got to go into the offices and, and, and see what the process was behind bringing in a certain line or a certain product from, from a line. Um, and really got to communicate with, with all of those people and, and, you know, sort of help to convey some information to the store level and to the, to the, the salespeople that were working. Like what I, I really do think of as the front lines of, yeah. of, of, of retail. Yeah, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. Some of the basic ideas of merchandising is to show less or that less is more, keeping the merchandised area sort of simple and uncluttered. Is that a primary goal? Or again, does that depend on what the item is that you're trying to sell or the store? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, certainly for me in a contemporary space or in a transitional space, being well edited is a key to that style and to that success. Um, and that probably applies as well to the product or the merchandise that you're trying to sell. Yeah, it depends. It depends on the product. Um, it depends on, you know, the, 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 the store that it's in. But I think, um, I think most of the time it really does depend on, on, on the product itself and, and how you want to show it. Sometimes, you know, you, you really do just, you know, take a bunch of dishes and stack it up and, and, you know, show it as if you were in somebody's pantry or in somebody's kitchen. Um, and then sometimes depending on the product, you really want a sort of bare, uh, minimal, uh, you know, table setting of something. Um, it's funny. I keep talking about, uh, I, th I think in my mind as far in terms of, you know, China and tableware and table settings, I think mostly because that is, there's a lot of product that are, if you think yes. about it, even the most minimal table is set. There's a lot of product on there. You've, you've got a, a placemat, a charger, a dinner plate, a salad plate, knives and forks and glassware and napkins and napkin rings and flower arrangement or flower a center arrangement. arrangement yeah. of some and sort. so even if you think about the most the bare minimum of what a of a what a table setting looks like, that's a lot of stuff on a table. Right. And there's a lot of options out there. And so how do you take all of those options and choose these you know that, that you've put that you're putting front you know front and forward for people to look at we talked a little bit before we came into the studio uh, just about that excitement of uh seeing a beautifully merchandise table mm -hmm. or a beautiful merchandise store and you're reminding me so much that um i always walked into bergdorf seven floor bergdorf and 
no matter what, I would stop and I'd get in the elevator and I'd walk through the floor because it was always so incredibly merchandised. But what they did the best, I think, were the tabletop. Hmm. And to go into that fine china, fine crystal glassware part of the store, that department store, and see how they set their tables was always an exciting uh, part of it. And you and I, and I think we should talk about it a little bit, are those days are harder to come by, those those stores and um, the Tasha Shemayas of the world yeah. have all disappeared. And, and the focus on that kind of quality of art and that quality of fine product and that quality of of no ends bar to merchandising it to the nth degree, they seem to be slightly slipping away a little bit. Right. I, I, you know, I think, I, I think one of the reasons is, is, is that we don't really know what quality is anymore. Um, uh, why is, why is this dinner plate, this price point and this dinner plate is this price point. And, um, I, I think I think a perfect example is some you know sometimes people will pick up a um, a china dinner plate and they'll th- they think oh I don't want to get that it's too you know it's too fragile and then they'll pick too up precious right it's too precious and then they'll pick up this this ceramic dinner plate that has heft to it and heaviness to it and they're like oh I'm going to get this because it's good quality and they don't realize that that very thin dinner plate is thin because it can be the 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 the, the quality the, of the porcelain. The, 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 yeah, the base material is so good that it can be that thin. And that ceramic dinner plate is thick because it has to be. Yeah. Um, so it's not thin because it's fragile. It's thin because it can be. And that speaks to its quality. The same thing with the crystal glass. People think, oh, I don't want to get crystal because it's going to break. Well, if it's lead crystal, there's lead in it. So it gives it some strength. And it can be delicate because that... That material can support that, and so it's not this big, hefty, you know, recycled green glass, you know, goblet that you would, you know, people feel the thickness of it and think that that's naturally going to be stronger, but it's not. So it's, I think it's really about people understanding what quality is and 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 looking at at what is quality and finding out what what quality is. I think we could do a whole show just about that. In other words. You know, if you're in the retail business and you're in the China department, those sales of young couples buying China or having China and silver are part of their homes, those days are gone. Yeah. Right. And so what is that story about and how can we talk about that? And um, and I and I know that in my own sort of life, you know, uh, ah, you know, the housekeeper is just going to ruin it or the kids are going to break it or any of that sort of stuff. And, you know, that didn't used to be a part of our story. The part of the story was, hey, this is important to mom and dad, mom and dad, you know, whatever you didn't, you didn't fool around with those, right. those things. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting kind of hour to spend talking yeah. about quality and, and having fine things around us um, that we can use every day and that are applicable to our lives and that are representative of who we are and what we want the quality of our lives to be or the character of our lives to be. So right. I think we've hit upon something a little bit about that. So you're going to have to come back and be the cheerleader for quality and a good life story. Perfect. Um, I don't know. I have a thousand more questions that we haven't uh, really had a chance to get to. Um, 
I got to thank you so much for coming on and thank you for the patience for coming on. Thank you. Um, it's It's been a real pleasure that uh, you were able to talk to me tonight. Um, I can't thank you enough for your insight and your knowledge and I look forward to a further conversation. Um, you'll stay around with me and we'll take some questions from our listeners. Uh, I'm hoping anyway. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Good. Uh, this is At Home, and uh, we'll be back as soon as John Michael and I go window shopping again. There's always something more, something better, a bigger store to go You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com John Michael, this is the fun part of the show where we get to take some questions from our listeners. Um, and don't forget, you can email me at David at, or email me David at David Thiergartner Interiors and just put in the subject line at home. Uh, that's always a helpful way for everybody to figure out if it's a question or not. But let's start with this. This is a good one. Um, thanks for the interesting show tonight. I love department store windows and spend most of December looking at all of them. I mean, I think a lot of New Yorkers do that. I mean, that's part of the fun of the holiday season. Um, I think it's almost sacrilegious not to walk no. past Bergdorf. So, um, Every year I do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I notice that most things are placed above eye level, so I'm always looking up. Oh, this is interesting. Is that, an, is that important? How does that principle apply to merchandising and to home interior design? Is that true? I'm not... 
There's a part of me that wants to say that? that maybe that's not very good visual merchandising. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you want things to feel grand, and and but I, I think I go by you want the if you're in a store, you want the important things to be at eye level. I was I I merchandise where you put the small smaller things at eye level larger things up high and larger heavier things down low that's how i would that's how i would merchandise a wall um so things that are harder to see you put them more at eye level think the bigger things you would put up higher um so yeah i i don't i'm I, yeah i'm I, wondering myself too listen it's the same it's absolutely the same in interior design i mean of course you can have a painting above the fireplace so you're looking up at that um but most paintings in a hallway or in any other part of the room, you know, need to be eye level. There's right. rules to this. Three quarters of it is at eye level with a quarter above your eye. There's rules to these things. Nothing works when our heads are constantly looking up. Now, with that said, there's all a whole conversation about discovery and about seeing other things outside of the focused area. That's a whole nother conversation. So maybe, perhaps, maybe she has a curious eye and she's interested in what's happening around Right, what she's supposed to right. be looking well, at, it, well, and, and that's okay. I kind of like that. Good for you. Yeah, maybe that's it. But next time you go, or next December, or even now, because the windows are always full of something, just try to test that theory and see if you're actually looking in the correct place. Um, and then call John Michael and tell him he needs to come over and work <laughs> the window. That's a that's the best thing I can add. Here's another one for us. Um, is it more difficult to work? Uh, with a smaller or a larger space, and how do you deal with scale in those issues? I mean, for instance, that breakfast at Tiffany window that I'm talking about, and if anybody knows Tiffany, they have big windows, but on each side of the of the corner on the Fifth Avenue, there's a little, two, I would call it two by two, 30 inch by 30 inch square little jewel box of a window. Same on 57th Street. There's always like a, a little prize in there. So I guess you would say there's a scale issue based on their other regular size windows, correct? Right. Well, I, I, I try to... I think it depends on the product that you're working with. I, I once, you, you know, had these um, these beautiful uh, faux, um, they were almost sculptural, but they were looked like plants and flowers, potted flowers and plants. Like toll work? Like metal painted metal or yeah, ceramic? Yeah, yeah, they were, oh, they were gold leafed and they were they were beautiful. And, and the window that I had to put them in was this huge window. Oh, but and you had this delicate item. Right, and I'm like, these are going to get lost. So I, I like to do crazy things and I, and I knew that this was a crazy idea. Um, but I basically took black paint and painted the entire window, the inside of the window black and created my own because, you know, structurally they, these windows were big. So I created small windows mm-hmm by painting the window black and forcing your eye to come and look at this little jewel box of a window that I had now created um, to to better display the product. You really, I, you really have to know with what you're working with and, and, and know how to focus people's eyes. I think that's a great response. Thank you for that. Where does the inspiration come from? I think we kind of got on that, but I think we might have gotten lost uh, in, in that conversation because it's sort of saying we didn't completely answer that question so let's try um is it are you inspired by the product are you inspired by uh 
the the management or the your, your boss or your you know or, or the owner of the store or all, like where where all of where, the above where? Yeah. all of the above it 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 sometimes you're given free reign to we need to put this in the window uh, just do what you want which is amazing that's that's a great thing to do um, sometimes you are given very clear directives on what they want. Um, whether and sometimes sometimes it's the brand, sometimes it's the the products designer themselves that are giving you very clear directives on what they want, and that's that can yeah, be that ve- makes sense. That can be very fun too, because you then have to take this sort of like pre existing idea and convert it to the the scale and dimensions of your window. So that 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 can be fun as well. Um, but brands can be difficult too, right? I mean, they can have such a point of view that it might not always be applicable to the space or to where uh, the visual is happening. You know, I want to say yes, but but the the truth of the matter is, is at the end of the day, they want the window to look good. So there is this a lot of discussion and back and forth with with how you best put their idea forward and how you how you how you make it fit within that window. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I basically, I, I solve problems all day long. I, I, I liken what I do for a living as having to do, having to put together a puzzle, except that puzzle sometimes doesn't have all the pieces. (laughs) And sometimes that puzzle has too many pieces Wow! and you still have to somehow make it all come together. It sounds like a great metaphor for life. Probably. (laughs) Who would think, right? Here's another one. Is it exciting or rewarding or is it disappointing when uh, a display sells quickly or or needs to be changed so fast? So you you, you put your heart and soul into it and you made a, you know, a whole side of a building uh, windows and now it's time to change that. What What is that like? I, I love I it. I think a lot of people think that like they put so much into the Bergdorf Christmas windows and then they're gone in a second. So it, you, oh, no, no, give me a broom. Let's sweep up this glitter. Oh, let's yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's You're on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that I that I like visual merchandising is because you don't get bored. And there isn't this very long gestation period that can sometimes happen with interior There's design. There's a quick pace to your creativity. It, you, you know that this window has to be done in this amount of time and that it will be up for this amount of time and then it will be taken down. Um, and sometimes, sometimes that changes. Sometimes a window that was supposed to be up for two weeks is only up for a week. So I want to add on to that. So do you do that at home too? Do you, do you change things a lot at home? No. Okay, so because see that would be one of the things that I think are completely different than interior design. Yeah. I'm trying to create something that has some real lasting yeah. ability and lasting quality and fine fine quality yeah. and things that will stay in place. Not to say that it's stagnant. We we work against that all the time. Yeah. But there's other elements that come into it. But that fast paced change, that's not a part of my work at all. So that's really, 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 really interesting. Let's see if we have time for one more. Okay, here we go. Do you have any favorite window or style? Do you have a favorite medium? Do you like doing tabletop, Christmas, furniture, bedding? That's a fun question. Windows. Definitely love doing windows. They're a lot more fun and dramatic than than being in store displays in store get touched by customers so you can have a a very pure vision in a window um and i love tabletop yeah i love tabletop yeah 
Are there any tricks to the trade? And can you disclose your favorite trick? I count things. If I'm working on a display and I can't figure out what's wrong with it, I'll start counting things. And usually it, odd numbers work best. Oh, my God. I was just going to say. Odd numbers work best. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why, but I will count. And and, and usually I'll, if, I, if I count and I see that it's an even number, I take something away. And I'm like, oh, there you go. Yeah. I tell people all the time, look at an incredibly beautiful still life painting from the masters or even from today. And it is always odd numbers always and work on that mm. and see and there's always a bit of a scale difference a lot of times it's asymmetrical would you agree yeah yeah and so those are yeah those are great tricks whether you're at home doing a tabletop or you know yeah. or in a store hey i gotta thank you again it was tons of fun thank i you. really appreciate it what a great conversation and um uh, I'm so glad that you were able to join us tonight. Likewise. I want to thank everyone here at talkradio.nyc and Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Ben Keegan for my music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. Also, take a look at my website, davidtheargartnerinteriors.com, and stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. I can buy my clothes at Saks Fifth Avenue Bergdorf Goodman too The privileged few plus you know who How the other half, how the other half lives You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Theergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 